welcome back to Backing Paper. <laughs> After a very unexpected break, this is show number 43, Mark II. Uh, second time, best time, as everyone always says about everything. Um, fortunately for me and for everybody else, joining me this week is my wonderful co-host, who definitely wasn't annoyed at me <laughs> wiping all of our hard work <laughs> last week. It's Rachel. Rachel, how are you, my dear? Hello, I'm I'm okay. I have recovered from from the uh, trials and tribulations of last week, so we're all good. I forgive you, Graham. It's all right. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> These things happen to the best of us. They, they do indeed. The best thing was that last week wasn't even because we we uh, <laughs> yeah, were running a bloody parts. <laughs> yeah, we were running a day late anyway, oh. and then we tried to record it on the Monday night um, before doing the main podcast, but then you had computer issues. We didn't, we weren't able to get it all done. So we got up early to finish up on Tuesday morning, did that. And then I, then I deleted it. Um, So it's going to be a bit of a bumper show this week because we've got um, emails that came in this week, which is fantastic. Also, we have got a bumper, bumper crop of coffee thanks. In fact, so many, I'm going to give you a coffee fact right from the get-go. A coffee fact about one of our regular donors, Mr. David Allen, he of um, Tanky McCorn Shot. Uh, the fact oh, yes, about David him. is, David's here with us this evening. Yay! David! <clears throat> Welcome, David. Welcome oh, to the show. Me. It is a real treat to have you with us, David. You are carrying you, on the the fine backing paper tradition that we well, I think we're getting into quite nicely now, which is insisting that if people want to shill their stuff, they have to come on the show and earn their rights to shill. So you are here <laughs> doing the good work for us this evening. You're going to help us read some emails. You're going to help us do some coffee stuff. And you're going to help us shill some one-shot inching down. Exactly, yeah. Get Sounds in, good. In the trenches with you guys. <laughs> in the tra- yeah, sunny sixteen trench foot. <laughs> it's it's actually a noted um, medical condition that sunny sixteen trench foot. Um, well, we should probably crack on with these mm-hmm. emails. So we're going to go through the ones we did last week. Um, but fortunately, we've got David here and uh, Rachel and I have got memories like goldfishes. So this is going to be all <laughs> new to all of us. Um, Rach, do you want to read this first one from Manny Lopera? I would love to, yes. So um, we have one from Manny who says, I am a 17-year-old high school student that adores film photography and I'd love to share some of my work with people who actually care. I live in the middle of nowhere and I have a hard time finding anyone to relate with when it comes to film photography. Given that I am but a child, I know I have work to be done and names to be taken, but if there is absolutely any way I can even have a bit of feedback, it would be greatly appreciated. That's best from Manny. Oh, Manny, it's lovely to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, guys, what do you reckon? Have you got any advice for um, helping Manny to get his work out there and be able to start joining in those conversations with people about film photography? Go on, David. What, about, what are your thoughts on this? How would you... <laughs> I mean, the, the the Twitter community is pretty solid. Um, I mean, I guess that's how I got connected to almost everyone, including this podcast indirectly was through Twitter, the Believe in Film hashtag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. is just a huge one because if you get involved in that, there's some really, just really nice people, awesome people like on there that um, just are genuine and will give legit feedback if you ask for it. Um, but feedback's hard. You sort of have to ask pointedly for it because people don't want to, you know, people are usually trying to be nice. There's the rare exceptions, but... There's also the other hashtag, which is shoot film, be nice, which is very specifically about making sure that people are, um, yeah, being supportive and lovely to their fellow compatriots, you know? Yeah. 
I think you're absolutely. I think the Twitter community, the Twitter film photography community, is a great and generally very supportive place. I'm not. I'm not sure that I like it as a place to sh share photographs if you're seeking to get some feedback and criticism. Because I think, um, I, I think you, you know, you, you. It's such an open space that you will get people who might be a little bit over keen. Because giving giving good feedback. It, there is a skill to it there you know it, it needs to be done thoughtfully and you need to tell, kind of take and try and understand what people are trying to get from it and i do worry that twitter whilst i think it's a very good place to go to to meet up with other film photographers and get to be part of that community um mm. general conversations it's good yeah but yeah I, I know what you mean graham yeah yeah I mean, f uh, Facebook groups, uh, as somebody who does not engage with that at all, but there are a lot more um, sort of specific Facebook groups, aren't there? Are any of those better for that kind of thing? Uh, I'm not a big fan. Well, sorry, Rachel. We've got, no, no, I was going to say, we've got the um, the lovely Negative Positives podcast Facebook group who have done a fantastic job of creating a really big community. Um, and again, you know, very supportive and what have you around that too, which uh, which is one that I would point Manny towards, definitely. Um and uh, yeah, there's uh, one that I set up um, specifically, um, which is awesome female photographers, which in encourages you know both men and women to to be part of uh, the group um, to sort of like celebrate and you know kind of highlight uh, other f uh, female photographers' work and what have you. So if there's any that you you know, I think the thing with these kinds of um, relationships is that they're a two way street, aren't they? So it's it's. Um, lovely to be able to kind of go and find out about more pe more people, um, share your ideas on on other things, uh, you know, on photography in general, and other people who you find inspiring too. So uh, I think that's also really cool. Um, I know that Manny said that he lives in the middle of nowhere because my other, but you know, kind of like really the one that I would say is face to face, going photo walks, doing that kind of thing um, in person, in real life with people is super important and is something that I love being able to do um and and in general you know the personalities online can be very different from people in real life um and and generally the, there's a nicer way of having that kind of like immediate feedback and kind of connection with somebody um where there's no kind of um confusion as to what maybe somebody's meant by by that whereas obviously online or what have you tone can be very difficult to uh, to ascertain you know <laughs> so I think sometimes like a camera club I know Graham you're part of a camera club but it obviously doesn't have to necessarily be uh, film photography based or analog photography based but if there's anywhere um, near you Manny that that might be possible even if it's you know like a local educational institution or something like that perhaps um, maybe there's maybe there's links there or something um, how do you find the camera club uh, Graham? Yeah, it's great. I mean, the thing with the Camera Club, which can be good for getting feedback, is that um, they have monthly uh, competitions, I suppose, you know, mm -hmm. where there's a certain theme and we all take our pictures along. Well, everybody else does. I'm never organised enough to, but I like to go along and look at other people's. <laughs> and they have a judge come in uh, mm -hmm. who goes through them and he talks about the pictures and, and gives feedback. I mean, as mm -hmm. as mentioned before, giving feedback is a skill in itself and the the quality of the feedback certainly does vary from judge to judge um but mm. you know that's fine but no i think you're absolutely right i think getting getting um real hands-on time with real people in, in person to talk to about stuff especially if it's people whose work you respect can be incredibly valuable um 
so if you if there is an option because it doesn't as you were saying Rach it doesn't matter if it's film photography related or not an image is an image what, what it was mm. shot on is n- neither here nor there really <laughs> if it's good that will come through mm. if, if it's not good then you know the flaws won't be ironed out by it being shot on film um yeah and and it's all that's all to do with also finding your own style and your own voice and and you know everything else to do with being a photographer and that changes throughout our whole lives as well you know i don't think we any of us you know we, we don't kind of like get to the point where we're like well that's it i'm done <laughs> you know we're all constantly <laughs> learning and changing and and you know what have you as well Exactly. I mean, that's actually that hits on the plate of uh, social media for photography, Mm -hmm. which is that sort of echo chamber, which can sort of sometimes hinder people from finding their style. Yeah. So there's something to be said about not diving in too deeply into social media and taking everything with a grain of salt, because, Mm. you know, sometimes, uh, you know, that echo chamber is strong and you're doing something cool and interesting, even if everyone else doesn't realize it yet. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Be yeah. ahead of your time. Um, I'm in a, um, uh, a group called the the Guild as well, which is uh, the Photographers Guild, and uh, I pay like a membership um, fee as part of that. Um, and that's also, you know, they have a lot of um, kind of different support networks as part of that, whether that's in person or if it's online or what have you. Um, I don't think you actually say where you live, Manny. So um, I think I think the Guild is UK based, but I could be wrong. The prop, there may well be an international um, arm of it or something. Uh, but perhaps that's something else to look at. Um, other kind of like photography associations and things like that that are set up to offer that opportunity something like you know the royal photographic society they have different levels that people can go in at and can submit work and and have portfolio reviews all of these kinds of things are out there i think it maybe it's just a little research to find the area that you're after if critiquing of images is something you're specifically looking for yeah yeah all great advice i mean i think i think a good first step is just plug yourself into try try a few different areas of social media um instagram obviously is Mm -hmm. a good one because um that's where that's pictures (laughs) and you know and look for the hashtags you know um film photography and believe in film and all those things and you will and get involved with the community don't you know be part of it engage with other people's work and people will engage with yours try twitter try Flickr, try facebook if that appeals and, and I mean, I said particularly the groups that Rachel mentioned, things like the um, Negative Positives group um, and the um, Awesome Female Photographers group. And uh, and there are loads of other ones as well. Um, you, there's the 35 millimeter photography group. Mm-hmm. and oh, I, I'm not the person to talk about. But uh, don't be afraid to try a lot of places and see which ones fit for you. And um, and you know what, May? Send us in a few of your pictures so we can see them too, because that would be lovely. Yeah. I'd love to see what you're taking pictures of. So send us a few in as well. That would be great. Thanks, May. Uh Dave, do you want to take this next email from Ian Turpin? All right, I can do that. <clears throat> Clear my throat. Um, hi, Sunnies. I really enjoyed the selfie challenge you did and how all three of you ended up treating it quite differently. <laughs> One thing I did pick up on, though, was that all of you did research before embarking on your project. Did you all agree to do this beforehand, or did everyone just copy Rachel? <laughs> uh, Or was it a case of all three of you separately deciding that research was a good first step? As a teacher of photography, adults only, uh, i.e. people who want to be there, (laughs) it's the one aspect of my class that starts out as a, why the hell am I doing this? And ends up at something that people really enjoy. 
Each of my students pulls a photographer out of a bag and is given homework to find an image they either really like or really don't like, and we discuss it in the following week. This has the effect of getting people thinking about the photography, which, in my mind, results in better, better images. Some then go on to actually do proper research for their course themes and include inspiring images alongside their own. Many photographers, especially form keyboard warriors, don't see the value of research. A comment I hear often is, why would I want to be like somebody, someone else? Yet they cling to the rule of thirds or rock in the foreground, then mountains, then sky, making so many images look the same. Thinking about subjects and even better, doing research on them before picking up a camera is a great way to make good images. I have favorite authors, musicians, movies, TV shows. Why shouldn't I have favorite photographers? I think if I had to pick one, it would be Elliot Erwitt. His gentle humor really makes me smile, and his ability to notice elevates him way above anything I could ever get close to. Anyway, enough babbling. Thanks for the insight and care and care you took over your assignments. Those shows will be hyperlinked in my students' notes now as how to do research properly. <laughs> you have any favorite photographers, either inspirational or just someone whose pictures you like? Ta-ta for now, Ian. Thank you very yeah. much, Ian. Some, yeah, absolutely. Some great points in there, I think. Um, I mean, yeah. you were talking with that last email, Dave, about the risks of um, the sort of the echo chamber effect of social media. Um, you know, because everyone's <clears throat> you know you can get trapped in the cycle of just seeing the same stuff and therefore thinking that that's um, the same thing. But I mean, what's your thought about this idea of researching um, to to make for better work? Yeah, I think. I, I would I would push further. I think it's really important. I think to avoid the echo chamber, I push research maybe outside the medium of photography. So mm -hmm. my personal thing is you want to make better photographs, study uh, painting, maybe maybe study architecture, right? Like I um, obviously photographers too, I'm not uh, disavowing that, but just trying to add to it in that mm -hmm. like I think, I think we have this delicate balance of you can really easily get into this echo chamber where you're doing the same things other people do. And then as, as uh, Ian mentioned, also you can try to, you know, you can be snobbish about it and say, why would I want to make work like anyone else and not realize the fact, no, that there are photographers doing great things and we can choose elements of their work to implement mm -hmm. in our own, even if people don't realize it inspired something, right? Absolutely. Um, I think it sounds sorry. like you'd have quite a similar approach then to perhaps how we how we approach we went about it. Because um, obviously, I um, I spoke to an artist, uh, a teacher, an art teacher, basically uh, for for mine, uh, along with a photographic historian um, and um, and also a photographer, uh, a film photographer as well. So it, I wanted to give that kind of like broader overview of of how we approach something like self-portrait which is obviously our first theme and graham of course you went and spoke to a psychologist didn't you so you got the from the psychological um perspective is that correct yeah yeah yes, yes right, psychology yeah. and spoke to d and yeah. to get some more um practical yeah. advice as well um mm. yes i think yeah i think research is um, it's fun as much as anything else. I, I sometimes think that, um, as Ian mentioned this, that there, there can be this feeling of, especially in the creative arts, where some people can worry that if they look too much into other people's work, that it's going to 
negatively affect their stuff um, and it will then just become derivative or maybe they worry that if they look at other people's work to be inspired that anything that they make won't be fundamentally theirs but um pure we're we're all inspired by stuff constantly and whether of we course. choose to acknowledge yeah. it or not um and i mean how do kids learn right how do children learn they learn by watching other people do that right they learn how to speak the the language that their you know that their their parents speak because they watch and they listen and they and they repeat and and that but it doesn't mean that they're going to end up saying the same words <laughs> yeah. you know we we imitate before we innovate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think research is is um is a great way to actually you know take take the best. Why why wouldn't you? I think is is what I what I think. And it's kind of scary, isn't it? And, but lovely to uh, to see what he's saying about us being how to do research properly in their student notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, so did you decide? <laughs> as he asked, did you did you three decide to do research together, or was it just? We discussed it. I think we um, we knew that we wanted to explore different avenues. So we we mm, were yeah. we were communicating with each other so that we wouldn't be treading over the same ground. I think you know and vaguely talked about, wasn't it? It was like oh, you know, okay, so this theme of self portrait. How are we going to approach that? We're going to be doing a show each. And so it was like, okay, well, actually, I'd probably quite like to speak to an artist, you know, about how about how I would approach that. And and then, Graham, you saying, I think I'm going to speak to a psychologist because I'd like to know a little bit more about how how we go about doing that. So it was a kind of just natural, natural reaction, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's the same. You know, to be honest, the the um the cogs are currently starting to slowly pick up speed on thinking about okay, well, this next assignment, whichever one it ends up being, which we will probably discuss very very soon, um, who are we going to talk to for that? Because mm. or, you know, although we're not going to be handling it in, in exactly the same as last time, but we want to with these assignments explore them from different angles. So we're thinking, okay, who who can we talk to that can take us on different angles to look at this thing with? And um, yeah, it, it's fun. It's it's interesting. I think I think the trick with researching and inspiration in general to make sure you don't end up just doing something derivative is to look at a lot of things. As as Dave was mentioning, you know, look at disparate things that aren't directly related. But just you know, if you're looking at dozens of people's work and inspirations from all sorts of sources then you're not going to be just creating derivative stuff because your your work will be elements of hundreds yeah. of different things that will come together to be what is you and i think yeah. that's great i In- think that's including your own personal background and experiences and all the other things that make us up to be unique human beings right yeah absolutely and just quickly then to ask and answer his last question um mm. david favorite photographer do you have one you can sort of think of the top of your head Man Ray for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Without a doubt. I, I mentioned Man Ray when we recorded this last time. <laughs> <laughs> really? I did. Yeah. Because oh, when I was five. at um uh, yeah, virtual high five, woo. Um when I was at art college that because uh, in terms of education in photography, um formally I've only done my A level photography, um, which is when I was in the dark room and when I kind of like really fell in love with it. Um but yeah, it was a similar thing to obviously what um, what Ian's doing with his students in that we got, you know, given names and things. And mine was Henri Cartier-Bresson and Man Ray. And so we went away and had a look at, little look at, um, at those, obviously, photographers um, and kind of 
interpreted their work or, or took elements of maybe some of their style and tried to incorporate it into our work or, or to sort of almost decode some of their images to figure out how we could, how, you know, we might approach that in our lives, I suppose. And I just found that really fascinating and interesting. And actually, um, I recently uh, went home and found some of my old A-level photography uh, work, <laughs> coursework, bizarrely, uh, under the bed um, in my mum and dad's old house. And um, uh, part of it was actually uh, from Klimt. So, you know, the the mm. artist. Um, yeah. And it was taking elements of their work and, uh, like, the different textures and things and the sort of, like, um, the style from Man Ray and kind of, like, merging the two and creating something new from it. Well, not necessarily new from it. <laughs> I don't want to say I was creating new work. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like using some of those elements and kind of thinking, oh, how can I approach that? So interesting that, yeah, that's one that we've both picked up on, actually. I haven't really thought about him for a long time. Uh, how about you, Graham? <clears throat> uh, I, I I think, as, as I did last week, I always struggle with this a bit because I am... There's, I don't think there's any one person who I'm like, oh, this this person is the one I keep going back to. But, mm-hmm. you know, I... I Anything that's well done, I am just drawn to, you know, whether it's um, like Ansel Adams or Cartier-Bresson. I've got a book I love by Yusuf Karsh. Um, But also, like, I mean, Elliot Owitt, I love Elliot Owitt stuff, as mentioned. I'm looking at a book I've got on the shelf up above by... um, Oh God! What's the guy's name? Um, Ralph Gibson. Uh, I love his mm-hmm. stuff. But then you know, like some of the more recent stuff that I've seen um, by Julian Highland, whose book I got a couple. You know, I yeah. love her stuff. And also just some of the stuff that um, people we know are creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this now. Actually, um, uh, our good friend Mike Caputo uh, over at the Hawaii Darkroom um, mm-hmm. on Aloha Big Mike. He just sent me a postcard this week, which is just this oh. this print, this you know, lovely. Just little darkroom print he made of some palm trees, and it's just beautiful. Like, yeah, he's somebody whose work, especially his printed work, I still can go. God, yeah, this is this is aspirational and inspirational yeah. printing work. Um, Absolutely, it's know. it's amazing, isn't it? Like the whole world that sort of opened up since, for me personally, like since doing um, Studio Sixteen has just been wonderful because it's inspiration from like so many places and things that I wouldn't have ever come across without kind of being involved in this uh, community like seeing for example um uh, like isabel curtis uh, work you know i hadn't really come across that kind of look you know before from any uh, other photographer and i just thought how beautiful and dreamy it was and um and people like leah elm and the beautiful kind of um uh, mistakes that she'd made and and especially that like that first role which kind of like sparked off that blog post about failures and and the fact that none of these images had come out as she'd envisaged but i just thought they were gorgeous and um you know of course obviously i can't not say ada atkins right because you know she'd been such an inspiration in terms of um being first person to put together a photographic book in the first place using photographic techniques and um the you know cyanotype being something that has massively influenced what i do as a business and and individually as well so they just come from all over whether historical or you know um current and across our peers as well i think yeah i've i have got around my recording station <laughs> to give it uh, a title far beyond what it deserves far beyond its station um i've got stuck to my walls um lots of prints that people have sent to us mm. over the months and years and i'm looking at one just here um which i got 
from being um, subscribed to a Patreon for somebody who I would highly recommend you subscribe to their Patreon. Uh, that's one Mr. David Allen, um, <laughs> who you can find on this podcast right here, right now. And it's, <laughs> it is a fantastic print, as you might not be surprised here, of a dragon in a coffee cup. In the and coffee it's cup, lovely. Yay. And it's, it's right there. The iconic. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I have these prints around me, prints by Mike, prints by lots of other people who have sent uh, mm. stuff in. And, and I... I I love seeing them and they, they keep me inspired whilst I'm doing this podcast to yeah. doing whatever other boring stuff I have to do at the computer. Um, so please keep those coming in because I really love seeing them. Um, yeah, it's lovely. All right. Uh, this next email uh, is from Paul Farrell and it's about mm. exposed film and how to keep it. Hello, Sunnies. I thought it was about time I got in touch. I've been shooting film off and on for about 10 years, and with the recent discovery at my in-law's house of a Kodak brownie and a Polaroid camera, and my purchase of a Pentax Spotmatic last year, it's been much more on for the last 12 months. I'm enjoying shooting in various formats. I also own a medium format Agfa Isolet, and I'm contemplating slipping further down the analog photography rabbit hole (laughs) and processing my own film at home. The main thing that is holding me back at the moment, though, is the short shelf life of C41 chemistry. I don't shoot through enough volume of film I'd need to process enough rolls from a single batch of chemistry to make it economically viable. One potential solution to this is storing exposed film and building up a good collection of rolls before buying the chems. However, everywhere I've read suggests exposed... suggests exposed films should be processed as soon as possible after shooting. One website I came across went so far as to say that professional films such as Portra should be processed within 72 hours of shooting. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) My question is this. If I hold on to exposed films until I have a good collection for processing, say six to eight rolls, which could easily take me up to six months, Will I see a noticeable difference between films that have been hanging around for a few months and the fresher ones? Also, what's the best way of storing exposed films? Back in the fridge with the unexposed ones? I'm assuming the freezer is not a good idea. I'd be grateful to hear your thoughts on this. Keep up the good work. Listening to your podcast has encouraged me to shoot more and more. So thanks for taking the time to do what you do. And that's from Paul, who is at Paul Farrell 1981 on Instagram. Thank you very much, Paul. Um, some good questions in there. Uh, mm. Dave, I'm going to hand over to you first. Do you have any thoughts on any of the things in this? What's particularly leaping out to you in this? Yeah, so um, I, I process all my own film, uh, C41, E6, everything, <clears throat> myself. And I'm very lazy, and so things go into my fridge for six months. So, so my chems and my rolls all are in the same fridge in my garage. Um, so in general, you shouldn't notice, honestly, uh, a, a problem if most things go for a little longer, <laughs> um, except for Pan F, but that's black and white. Uh, Pan F loses its latent image very quickly. Does it? Should process that, pan. Yeah. Cause I, I, have, I have got a roll of uh, medium format Pan F. Which I have been shooting for, I think, two years at this point, and I'm still only halfway through. So the chances—it sounds like the chances are quite high that by the time I finish that roll of film, the first few images will have faded to nothing. Go. Maybe, maybe, maybe push it a stop and split the difference. Yeah. Um, no, I. Yeah, PanF PanF doesn't hold on to a latent image uh, that well, but I haven't had issues with uh, color film, honestly, and 
color, especially Pro and Portrait, I don't know what was saying that, and maybe it's technically correct, but the latitude is so good on Portra, right? If you underexpose a stop, you don't even have to change development and you'll still have really good images. So the latitude's so good on that film that you're not going to notice anything. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, I, there's probably more user error, at least if you're me, than you're going to actually <laughs> lose from storing it for six months, right? Like any variance yeah. is going to come from you than, 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 rather than the, the actual... I think also last time we sort of mentioned this as well, like as you say, said Graham, you know, the actual um, between shooting it and processing the film itself is not really going to be the problem as long as you're not sticking it by a it by a radiator yeah. or something, you know, as long as you're sort of storing it back in the fridge. Um, but it's more that the chemistry is more likely to actually, if that's old, have an issue. Yeah. yeah? So you're better to shoot up a bigger batch of rolls that six months to make that six to eight rolls or whatever, and then process that in one go <clears> rather than making up the chemistry, processing one roll at a time and hanging on to that chemistry for six months. Because yeah. by the time that's, that's being used, you're not going to be uh, getting the best out of that that chemistry. Is that right, Graham? I think that's what you were saying last time, and that seems to make sense to yeah, me. I, I certainly think, and I mean, Dave, you, you process C4. I think that the chemistry is certainly something that has so many more variables that it's prone to, and it, and it, it doesn't last very long once you've mixed it up. Mm. Um, and every time you use it, you're affecting the chemistry and the water you mix it with. Yeah. Is So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would... Personally, I would always far rather build up a batch and then try and use the chemistry quickly rather than the other way around mm. of, of keeping the yeah. chemistry for longer and, and trying to shoot the film you know, use the film quickly. I mean, I get... Um, I use Tetanol C41 kit normally, which what makes uh, two and a half liters. Mm-hmm. And I mix just half a liter at a time anyway of it. Okay. So so the unmixed stuff just stays in my, my film fridge. And then, so I only mix half a liter at a time. So, I mean, you can do that too. And the the unmixed stuff lasts a lot longer. I mean, how fact, long, when you say a lot longer, so how long are you talking for it lasting? How long before you open the bottle for the first time until you go, okay, I, I'm not going to use this anymore? I mean, I haven't had any issues and I haven't counted and I don't go through, I shoot more black and white. So, I mean, you've got, you've got easily six months. Yeah, that seems pretty easily. good. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, so you don't have to mix all of it at once, too. Mm-hmm. You can mix smaller, smaller amounts of it, and and not, you know, to get your twelve rolls or whatever, you know, from that five hundred, you know, five hundred yeah. milliliters. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to put this out there because I would actually be really interested. I mean, we've kind of all gone, uh, you know, the color film is not going to shift. I, if somebody out there is feeling of an inquiring mind, and I know that we have the listeners who are an you know, inquiring mind. Um, I think it would be a, a really interesting test if somebody took, I don't know, let's say a roll of Portra 100. Um, is it 100, 120? Whatever Portra comes in. Um, 160. 160, there you go. Anyway, a roll of fast Portra. No, a roll of slow Portra. That's what we want. A roll of slow <laughs> We've Portra. We've got Portra 400 as well. Or eight, yeah. No, no, go, go with... Portra 800. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't want that either. Look, you're confusing me now. We want the slowest <laughs> roll of Portra. And what I, what I would like, I want somebody to take... I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I would like somebody to take a roll, um, get three rolls of film, shoot one roll now, shoot another... Keep hold of these rolls, obviously. Shoot another roll in six months' time, and then in six months after that, shoot another roll and develop all of them then and see if there is... You know, develop them in fresh chemistry and see if there is any noticeable <laughs> difference between 
12 months, six months, and fresh on the day. It's going to be interesting. You know, I think um, that's how we answer questions like this and, and see if it does make any noticeable difference. Um, or, we, or we email Andy Church and be like, hey. Yeah, we email Andy <laughs> Church. And say, well, yeah, exactly. He's going to tell us it's all golden. Um, bless him. Um, I mean, I think the reality is that any tiny difference you might see would definitely fall within the um, acceptable... <laughs> acceptable range but i would be i'd be i'd be interested to see that i mean i said that's how we answer the question is we do the test and see and, and i'm too lazy True. and unreliable so um but <laughs> thank you for the great email that was fantastic um rachel take this next one hmm. from christian uh yes I, I can definitely do that so christian has written in to say hey sonnies thanks for the great late um great last show uh which is obviously a little bit longer ago now <laughs> than it was originally intended to be a quick note regarding the assignment ideas. I don't mean to be Captain Obvious, but why don't you simply shoot the day and night assignment together as a collaborative effort? Uh, so, uh, David, just in case you weren't aware, our two potential current uh, next themes, sorry, were um, night and day or uh, a collaborative image that we were creating together. So he was saying, obviously, do both together. He says, I'm I pretty for the former, by the way. Ah, okay, awesome. Um, so Christian says, I'm pretty sure that there'll be more listeners than just me thinking that this is the obvious thing to do. Um, also, I need to quickly say something about the rolly part of my essay, because Christian also sent us in a lovely piece of audio uh, that we attached previously. Um, since it was weeks between recording and the last episode, the rolly thing was a little out of context. I wanted to pull Graham's leg. Uh, well, I think that's probably all of our leg for pronouncing it rolly on the backing paper episode the whole time. Even ca uh, Canadian podcasters get the pronunciation right. So should you, mate. Sorry, Christian, we were all getting it wrong. Um, next in our list of camera, uh, German camera brands is Voigtlander. But I shouldn't throw rocks when sitting in a glass house with my German accent. <laughs> Ask me to pronounce squirrel and I'm hopelessly lost. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You're the best. Okay, so how do you pronounce it then? How would you pronounce it, David? Well, if it's a German and the I comes after the E, it's a hard I. That's the hard roll in, with anything German. So how does it so, sound? Pronounced? So it'll be roll I. Roll I, okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, so so EI is a hard I sound and IE is a hard E sound in any German word. Ah, okay. It's just that's the rule. So, yeah. There we go. Thank you very much. Singing and, um, Old MacDonald yeah. has a farm must be a nightmare in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, just I, 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 So what do you think to Captain Obvious then? <laughs> As Christian has mentioned that he doesn't want to be Captain Obvious, but that's what he, what he said. What do you think, Graham? Day and night as a collaborative effort? Or do you think we're still looking at um, being two separate um, themes? You know, I mean... I what I love about all these assignment things is the way they get your brain going. And I think when we talked about this last week, my in instant response was a day and night shot as a collaborative thing. That's an insane idea. But I'm just mm. thinking, oh, yeah, actually, maybe doing a day and night as a collaborative thing would be the easiest. I mean, you know, <laughs> multiple people <laughs> taking what? I mean, um, glass half full, glass half empty. Depends yeah, exactly. It, right? What a difference <laughs> a week makes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think we'll do it, but, <laughs> but it's, I'm intrigued, David. You said you voted for day and night as a possible yeah. to Why? Why? did you choose that one especially as you know collaborative image making is something that i think you know something about <laughs> yeah no I, I do like collaborative image making um so the well i i understood it as uh uh 
day for night where you make it so so i think i didn't actually understand the the there was nothing more to it than that it was simply (laughs) (laughs) simply that we were all kind of like thinking about it i think that in different ways actually yeah yeah Oh, I was thinking, so I, for some reason I thought it was day for night, which okay. is a common thing in filmmaking mm-hmm. where you shoot night scenes during the day because you don't need lights and it's easier and then you make it look like it's night. Yeah. And it always so looks a bit weird, doesn't it? Oh, it's where you put the gels common. on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's a couple of things you can do. You have to, you usually do it during noontime so you don't see the sun. So the sun's directly overhead. And yeah, you play with color temperature and you mm-hmm. underexpose like two stops. Ooh. Have you um, ever seen uh, like things like Home and Away and Neighbors? Because <laughs> like when they've shot, you you know what I mean, where they've yeah. uh, they've shot um, where it's supposed to be at night, but obviously they haven't yeah. been able to film at night, yeah. so they've had to film during the day in Australia <laughs> and make it look like in a weird way that it's supposed to be night. Sometimes and it's, it's really yeah, bad. It's yeah. really, it can be really bad. That can but be really it's obvious. super common in filmmaking. So there's a lot of times they're doing it and you don't even know. Um, it's actually really common in filmmaking, but sometimes oh. it's really bad. So I thought that was a challenge. I was like, I want to see them to, to, to do day for night. Like, I mean, uh, I, I think that that has um, that has so some interesting I merit. It. I think, yeah, that, I thought that know. was sort of a funny, like, oh, like I would love to, because it's a common. You could find talk about research. You can find a, probably a million articles on how to do yeah. it without making it look crappy because it's so common in filmmaking. Right, and then just apply those to making a still that looks like nighttime in the middle of the day. Um, I, I think that has merit. I, I mean, I think that for, I think that fits. It sounds like you've won Graham over with that one. So. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I think that that idea is going in the idea bag. <laughs> Get in the idea bag. <laughs> I like that day and night could be that, or it could be both day and night within the same image, or yeah. as I think Aid had said, maybe um, night and day across a triptych of different instant images that he was thinking like the same shot at different times of the day there's a whole host of different ways we could approach it isn't there so uh, yeah it sounds like graham's got his idea in the bag oh, <laughs> that I, mean, want to do it. Nice. I mean dave i mean as somebody who does a lot of work or has in the past done a lot of work with um double exposures using masks i mean again that seems yeah. like that could throw up some really interesting mm. joint um yeah. opportunities with uh, day and night shots um i'm hoping that you're going to come up with some ideas and get involved with this whatever it turns out to be because i think you know this could be a thing for you i wanted to do the self-portrait i've just been really busy with editing a mm. documentary actually. Oh, really? i had the whole idea i actually had the idea for the self-portrait and everything that i was going to do it's nice. never too late we always want to yeah. see your lovely should face so you should do it do it and record something for us and we'll put it in please always okay okay i'll do it it's pretty involved because it's like of a course it's dark it's room you. Composite <laughs> thing. Yeah. so it requires several several stages we of printing and would not believe that you had done it if it hadn't been for that david <laughs> <laughs> if it can't be overcomplicated, what's even the point um until you get around to that do you want to just read this next email from us from uh, lucas landenstad newly joined listener newly joined listener lucas landenstad hi aid graham and rachel and my david. name is lucas pardon i said and david oh yeah and david. that's silent <laughs> hi me um my name is Lucas, 25 years old from Sweden. I started listening to this podcast about a month ago and have currently reached episode 55. How many episodes are there? <laughs> now, uh, 165 okay. yeah. so Something there. like that. Many. Slow and steady. 
wins the race. Okay, a buddy of mine um, at Estico Andreas recommended this podcast to me about a year ago, but I didn't get around to listening <laughs> yet. He introduced me to film film photography a couple years ago, and I was very intrigued by the whole process of taking a picture and developing it. I bought a Canon A1 camera last spring, and it has been a joy to shoot with. Recently, I also got a Canon AT1, which I really like the more basic controls compared with the A1. Your podcast has sparked some ideas that I want to try, but also made me want to try pinhole photography and some solography. Take care and keep up the great work. Yay. Lucas. Aw, thank you thank so you much, very Lucas. Much, Lucas. It is it, again, you know, another new listener, which is awesome. It's really nice to hear from you, and uh, yeah, well, go for it. Try all of them. You can absolutely yeah. do that. You can make pinhole. You can have a go with solography. You can shoot with your Canon. It's brilliant. There's so much you can do. You can literally, you know, go and find a tank and um, you know, <laughs> blow up a swimming pool and and make prints yeah. in that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So many. I, I, I can't just say I really like the the people who may not have heard what Tanky Muck one shot or one shot inch and down That's is about. That's a good point. Has, has just heard the sentence. You can go and get a tank and blow up a swimming pool. <laughs> are going to have quite a significant misconception about what this movie is going to be like. Um, they I, at one point, my wife in the movie says, "Like, uh, so you can go climb into an oily hole," and then she just go, she pauses and goes, "Ew." <laughs> she knows anyway. So yeah. Okay. It's so yeah. Around. So Lucas is on episode 55 so he won't have any idea what the heck we are talking about yeah it? that's true i'm By so the time sorry he gets to this he'll 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 of course or he'll have long since given up on this lunacy um, <laughs> uh, but that all sounds awesome and uh yeah so uh stiko andreas is s-t-i-k-o-a-n-d-r-e-a-s so if anybody wants to go and uh, check out his work as well did lucas leave us his um handle for I um, don't think he did no which is a oh. terrible oversight on Lucas Never. but Lucas let us know who you are on this because we can make sure we are sharing the good word uh, 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 where was I oh it's me to read now isn't it tis, <laughs> I always get confused tis. when it's me oh good lucky me I get to read a haiku um, so I think I mentioned I can't remember where I mentioned it but I think I mentioned it on the Sunday 16 podcast so it didn't get deleted so I joined the Classic Lenses podcast briefly a couple of weeks ago to help them, and I use the word help uh, in inverted commas because I helped them in a very grand way, um, launch their haiku competition whereby people have chance. Did. Of course I did. It's what I do. Noted haiku expert, Graham. I gave, I, you should have heard the facts I gave about haikus, Rach. They were, oh, they were really good facts about haikus. You go around um, all the analogue photography podcasts and <laughs> talk to them about haikus. Oh, yeah. That's what I do. I, wait, look forward to my new haiku podcast. Anyway, oh um... That competition, I think they may have actually closed entries now. But uh, anyway, as we've unfortunately suffered backlash from this by association. Are we a crossover so, episode now? Uh, I think it might be. <laughs> so we have got here from uh, Matt Jones out there in Thailand has sent us in something like a haiku. <laughs> which, haiku adjacent? <laughs> it's haiku adjacent. God bless him. Uh, so here is the haiku adjacent. Uh, Graham making friends, Downton Village. Sunny photography tours. Get your tickets now. Chocolate houses and crazy ladies. <laughs> Toodle pip from Matt in Thailand. That also um, makes no sense to anybody, I'm sure. That no, makes, <laughs> makes no sense. The other episodes as well. Because you got chased out of somewhere by a crazy lady. Yes. But I don't know about the chocolate house. 
Oh, because we kept we kept refer- so it, during the walk around, we, um, the, the particular house that NASA was trying to take a picture of, we kept referring to as a real chocolate box sort of house because it was oh, a thatched cottage with roses gotcha. in front of it and all mm-hmm. this, and um, that's where we got chased away from. Um, <laughs> now, the reason we keep uh, by we, I mean myself, I keep referring to this as haiku adjacent is that Matt has kind of swung a very beautifully and, and missed because the format of a haiku is uh, five, seven, and five, but it's five syllables, seven syllables, and then five more syllables, not five words, seven words, and five words. Um, but still... I wouldn't have had a clue, Matt. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a lovely poem, though. I think it's... Lovely. You know, it's a punk rock haiku. He's just taken the, the format by the nuts and squeezing it tightly, and I think we're a big fan of that. <laughs> what way with words you have, Graham? <laughs> uh, why, thank you. That's why I'm the haiku master. <laughs> I see, um, I see. It all becomes clear. Um, related mm. to that, Rach, do you want mm. to take this next email in from oh, yes. Mr. Simon Forster of the oh. aforementioned Classic Lenses and indeed Large Format Photography Podcast um, mm. regarding his thoughts on our idea for Sunny 16 Presents? Right. So, yes, yeah, si- uh, Simon Forster has written in to say, Hi, Sunbeams. What a great idea for high quality listener generated filler content. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Um, I'd like to send you around three hours of unedited chat every week from the conversations I have with my friends Johnny and Perry. Every other week, I can also supply you with four or five hours of unedited <laughs> Andrew Bartram talking about large format photography with occasional input from myself. I'll have the first one over to you on Monday evening via WeTransfer, so please have it edited, levelled and posted ASAP. Please use the title Classic Lenses Podcast. I'll have the other one over to you next week and I suggest you call it the Large Format Photography Podcast. I have carefully selected suitable music for each episode and you can purchase Octa Blues and Two Finger Johnny from Incompetech.com. Finally, I have received a letter of complaint from Ian Fleming regarding your defamation of his train driving activities. I'm assuming this is directed to you, Graham. Uh-huh. Um, I strongly suggest you look into buying a bottle of Jepsen's Ma- um, Is that Marlowe? Merlot? Jepsen's Malor. Is that correct, that? David? I'm sure you know. Jepsen's Malor? No. Is it a whiskey? Uh, I think it's, it's some kind of liquor, which okay. I won't use the phrase that Johnny used to describe it as, but okay. he wasn't Good. complimentary of it. Well, oh, oh, no. Okay, well, I don't know. Um, Basque um, liquor from... Um, so apparently he strongly suggests that you look into buying a bottle of said liquor for Ian to help him ease his pain. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you've been rude to one of our... I, I, I know, it's, it's shocking. <laughs> it wasn't me. It, it was... does sound like you've you've been pretty rude. To, uh, I'm ever so sorry, Ian, if that is the case. Ian, what have you been being mean about his train driving activities? I, 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 so <laughs> Ian wrote in to say that he's... He he drives a train at a botanic garden, and he Ooh, um, met. That sounds so cool. It does sound cool. Um, mm. uh, and I, I was trying to explain to Johnny. Johnny is the one who was having issues with it, and I was trying to explain it to Johnny. Um, uh. But clearly, owing to the fact that there was a very poor signal because I was in a field getting rained on, it made it sound like I was perhaps being <laughs> insulting. Oh. These things can happen. I just want to very quickly go through a few of the things within um, Andrew, uh, Andrew Simon's email. Um, uh, the, having heard the conversation, unedited chat of... Um, Simon, Johnny and Perry, I think we'll definitely have to have a hard pass on that one. Um, And also four to five hours of unedited Andrew Bartram. I don't think anybody 
can handle that. I think that is actually um, a f- it's just too much knowledge. It's a lethal dose. My brain dose. would explode. It is. Explode. Yeah, it's a lethal Expl- dose. See, of Andrew that's Marshall. what would happen. <laughs> your, your brain would expose. It would open up to the light and be exposed. Um, uh, and regarding the music, uh, whilst Octo Blues, the music for Classic Lenses podcast, is fine and you may continue to use that, the music which they use on the large format photography podcast is the worst music ever. It is terrible. It is clown music. And every time I hear it, it makes me deeply, deeply angry at the world in general <laughs> and at Simon Forster in particular. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. But, uh, thank well, you very much, um, Simon, as Yeah, always. thank you for the email, Simon. It is lovely to hear from you. And um, apologies to Ian. I'm very excited about, to hear more about the train. Yes, yes. So you've never come across... I, I understand, David, that Jefferson's Malaw is a uh, some kind of, of maybe a fortified wine or something. Uh, I don't know if it's a Chicago thing or whether it's just a... Um, but you've not come across that on your uh, travels. No, no, not not personally. Well, um, next time you're maybe, back home, maybe fortunately, uh, it's uh, apparently there's quite a lot of YouTube videos of people drink, of just recording people trying Jepsen's Malort and then the faces that they mm. pull afterwards. So maybe you'll have wow. to look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, there we go. There we go. So that is us up to date with the emails that we disposed of last week. But we have got a few, <laughs> a few new ones, and they are okay. also great. Not too many, but a few more. So. Um, uh, who read the last one? <laughs> Do you want me to take this? <laughs> yeah, sounds great. So we, we've okay. got we've got a series of emails from the wonderful Paul Friday, who, it is my understanding, Paul Friday has um, bombarded the Classic Lenses podcast with haikus. <laughs> so you'll be unsurprised to hear that these are some uh, a haiku first from Paul, uh, and okay. this is the correct way of putting a haiku together. Okay, finish recording, then you press delete, old chap. Memory will serve. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, okay, got it. Yeah, very clever. Kinda. <laughs> um, sorry about the haiku. You were talking about being out on your bike. Enjoy. And then there's a link. And then it all fell apart. Do we need the link? I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to hang on a second. I am just going to very quickly look. So this is um, from Paul's website, which is... Um, fupduckphoto.wordpress.com fupduckwordpress.com Um so uh, it's pictures that he's taken um, uh, <laughs> out and about playing silly buggers on bikes, which looks like pretty good fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, go to the website. There's some great pictures of people having good fun. It looks like some hill climbing going on, all sorts of motorbike shenanigans. I will be having a proper look through this um, when I'm not supposed to be recording a podcast. Excellent. Um, uh, and carry on. There's one last... Um, and then it all fell apart, he says. Nantucket's the place that makes Jeremy's heart race if only it rhymed. <laughs> Another lovely... I hope, David, that whilst we're reading this, you're coming up with a wonderful haiku of your own. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got literally three more seconds to figure it out. Go on, yeah. Rich. On oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. All right. Shall I read the last one? Please do. Sorry to spam you, but inquiring minds need to know. If Kermit opens the show, who are the other two? I'm thinking Animal and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. See? Not even a haiku. Uh, that's lovely. So I, this was following on from last week where I compared AIDS introduction to Kermit the Frog um, starting off the Muppet show. Um, so I think he's suggesting that you're like Animal and I'm not like Donson, uh, Dr. Bunsen. I think I'm probably more like the Cookie Monster, to be fair. Yeah, I can see that. I can see you as a Cookie Monster kind of person, yeah. Rach. Um, and I think I'm probably more, more like Fozzie Bear with my terrible oh, jokes. Oh, definitely. Wacka, yeah. wacka. <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, if, 
which um which muppet would you say oh haiku ready (laughs) and also which muppet would you feel most represents you Oh, I don't, which Muppet most represents? You know what? I, I think Miss Piggy <laughs> from our earlier conversation. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm always like trying to get you to propose. <laughs> mostly that. Mostly that. Yeah. And also the fact that you like punching people <laughs> and saying hi, yeah. I do like punching people. That's what? true. I, I, uh, <laughs> before you got on, Rachel, it's just, uh, you know. I, Dave was listing all the okay. people he's punched lately. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're just talking about punching. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're condoning. Physical violence, I guess. No, right? no, I mean, unless you want to. <laughs> do you have a haiku for us, David? Let's move uh, swiftly uh, on. Um, uh, okay, not really, but I'll do one <laughs> on the fly in real time. Um, uh, wait, I'm counting with my hand because I'm making it now. On sunny sixteen. Huh? Mm-hmm. Nice. A, a haiku in, be, no, a quick haiku in between, um, because Graham is really because Graham is a jerk is a, a jerk yeah. yeah that works that's fine nailed it Graham is, is a jerk hang on right, is Graham done. two syllables or one syllable mm. no that's two I'm, syllables I'm using his one syllable okay oh. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think I think it probably would come as two actually. In the okay, end. then, but it depends on the accent. I think big jerk. Because <laughs> Graham is yeah, just mean. Just horrible. Yay! That was yeah. amazing, David. Thank well you. done. Really well done. Yeah. On the um, fly. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who subscribes, anybody who subscribes to David's Patreon, he will write you an instant haiku. That's one of the things <laughs> he guarantees for you. So <laughs> get over there now. Instant haiku package. <laughs> it's the hundred dollar a month. Yeah, one. the hundred dollar, hundred dollar haiku. That's what it's called. Yeah, I just call you and I show up at your door and whisper haikus in your ear once a month. <laughs> Yeah. That's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Is hey. that why no one's actually supporting me on Patreon? Uh, I didn't realize. Uh, I, I think, think it's the... the whisper part. Maybe we shouted it at them. <laughs> yeah, if I just showed up at their door and shouted. <laughs> With a loud tailor and yelled haikus at them. I, I'd be on board for both of those things. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, mm, 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 Dave, mm-hmm. do you want to read this David next Romanus. one? Yeah, do you want to read this next one by David Romanus? Romanus? I'm going to get that right. Romanus. I'm so Romanus. sorry. That's your fault, Graham for putting that in my head <laughs> blaming you go for it dave all right hello sunbeams greetings again from project 1.6 it really is a thing yeah. Ex- exciting news i've started developing my own black and white film i'm using caffeinol which for the uninitiated is sodium carbonate vitamin c and instant coffee And the results have been pretty good. The first time I gave it a go, I didn't really pay attention to the solution temperatures as I just wanted to see if it worked, which I'm pleased to say it did. (laughs) The second attempt, I made sure I was calculating the time correctly based on the temperature and the results were much better. My question, I know I can develop color film in black and white chemistry and will get black and white pictures, but when there's no information online about developing certain films, like my Kodak 2254, ISO 1.6, where do I even start? Should I try using the times published for a similarly low ISO and make an educated guess from there? Or is there a formula I could use? The, oh, yeah. So yeah. that's from David. Well, really pleased to hear that the project, it really is a thing now. That's awesome. Well done, you. What, what is this? What is Project 1.6? So yeah, he bought uh, an awful <laughs> he did a Graham, lot, many fact. hundreds of feet of... Um, uh, tungsten balanced <laughs> ISO 1.6 film because you know 
<laughs> I okay, yeah, no, I, uh, that was on Twitter. Was there a big Twitter thing yeah. on that? Uh, okay. He posted some. I know that he shared some images on Instagram, possibly. I guess yeah. on Twitter as well. And, okay. and um, there was uh, one that I think I saw, which was of a beach, and I just thought it was lovely. So I commented on that, just saying how okay. it was. But it's got obviously quite a blue tint and things. So yeah, yeah. That rings a bell. I think I actually mm. saw that uh, thread or something. On that. Ah, okay. nice. Um, so, did you have any advice on that thread? Because we could equally share it here. <laughs> oh, for, for the tungsten balance? Yeah. Well, for, just... Yeah, as he's but, saying, you know, using the Times published for a similarly slow ISO oh, will make an educated guess. How, how should he go about maybe thinking about processing? Yeah. People, you, got, you have to remember that um, color films are meant to develop at the, the same time and temperature. So regardless of ISO, right? It's not like black and white film where every film gets a different dev time, right? So so color films in black and white chemistry actually react similarly regardless of ISO, typically. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Kodak stuff personally. So, I mean, they could, I could be completely wrong about that. But in general, like, um, I think a good rule of thumb is take the time for your developer that, say, like for HP5, Mm-hmm. and start there as a base because ISO shouldn't have much play into it with color um, when it comes to color. So start with that and then adjust as needed. Yeah, I think that that tends to be my process for color film is just go with the HP5 time as a base and, yeah. and, and go from there. I mean, it, it does vary from film to film, but I think, again, <laughs> David's got an awful lot of this stuff. So Well, I was going to say, if it doesn't really work the first time, you've got a bit to you know yeah. play with, uh... <laughs> exactly yeah that sounds like you have a lot of it so so yeah have fun yeah absolutely and please do keep us posted okay this next email is from theo panagopoulos who writes in gray sunnies my name is theo panagopoulos and i'm from sydney australia recently i've been spending a lot of time in new zealand Auckland to be specific, due to a programme of work I have been leading for work. So maybe I should say Kia Ora rather than, I'm not pronouncing that right, but you know, <laughs> a booger, 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 um, rather than G'day. Um, I have been lucky as the people here are fantastic and the film photography uh, and film photography, I met a friend and back in March we went around the Coromandel Peninsula, which is beautiful. On the current trip, which has been extended for uh, one for weeks, I stayed over the weekend and took some local sites around Auckland, including Waiheke Island. On a day trip out to Davenport on Sunday, I was on the ferry on the way back to Auckland and noticed the sunlight was just magnificent. I got quick to my room, picked up a camera and a roll of 120 film and ran out to the Viaduct Harbour, which is where I am located here. Due to the limited time and my preference to not have film in the camera uh, and travelling through the airports this week, I was keen to shoot the whole roll of 16 6x4.5. Of course, this lends itself to the one hour (laughs) challenge. I hope you're still taking these and will also excuse the audio quality. I did not realise how the wind was being picked up on this. Welcome to my world. Mm, Um, I also have my own film photography blog, which is photothinking.com, which might be of interest to listeners. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy the commentary and keep the film sunshine coming through from Theo. Thank you very much, Theo. So Theo has indeed included some audio, which I will put on after the music at the end of the show. Um, Because, yeah... 
we we definitely still want to get you getting involved with these things um absolutely and it's it's great training for the next assignments that we'll be doing too won't it so yeah uh, yeah everybody getting involved in this did you send over some images as well with the no audio? Sad, sadly oh. not so we need some images theo you need to send okay. some of those over um and we don't know if it worked yeah <laughs> a scam <laughs> a scam uh, it sounds am, lovely though yeah, I'm very envious of being out there, you know, around Auckland. There's some beautiful place to get out there and take some photos. Um, oh, you've been, haven't you? I've, I've been, oh, yeah, international jet set to like three yeah. places. Um, but New Zealand is a fabulous I mean, country. Um, of, of three places to go. I mean, that's amazing, right? Yeah, that, that's a good one to have on the list. So I'm yeah. definitely not complaining. Um so, yes, thank you very much for that, Theo. Uh, uh, and I think that does it for our emails. We got through them all uh, and they were all very good as well. The email quality is fantastic. Woo. Please do keep them coming in. You can Thanks, get in Ken. touch with us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. That is the place to write your emails to um, because I don't always remember to mention where that's to send That's a good emails. point. Yeah, because we're like, send us emails and then forget to tell everybody where, where to send them to. So, uh, yeah, that's always a good... Uh, central hub for these things to come to because um obviously sending messages on instagram or twitter or facebook or what have you is great but not all three of us see see it anyway or or we wouldn't necessarily get a chance to read it out or respond to it so um, yeah for anything like that it's best to send them to sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com Yes, absolutely. Like I said, you can, you can always chat with us on social medias, but if you, if you want to be sure that we'll definitely see it in a timely fashion and it will get included, email is the best thing. And if you don't remember the email address, go to the website, sunny16podcast.com and click on the contact button there and that'll take you through. Um, before we move on to our coffee stuff, of which there is many and fine things, uh, Dave, what is going on with One Shot Inch and Down, also known to the devotees as <laughs> Tanky Muck One Shot? Affectionately known as. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah affection. In fact, you can find, um, you can find, well, Simon and I just referred to it as tanky. Like, that's just what we call it, tanky. And even my daughter, my like three and a half year old daughter, she's like <laughs> tanky. Um, so, so on social media, you can find us, our handle is always tanky McOneshot at tanky McOneshot. That's our handle. Um, but yeah, we have uh, basically a final cut. So it, it it's a thing. That's it's amazing. For better or for worse. <laughs> Simon and I made a feature-length documentary about us climbing into an oily hole and uh, making some photos. Woo! And Making yeah, some massive photos. Massive photos, <laughs> yeah. And drying them in a farmhouse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, in those access tunnels, it's so there's so much moisture, nothing dries at all. And so we hung up these prints overnight and then went back and they're still super tacky and called up the, the guy, uh, the one guy at the farmhouse and said, Hey, is there any way? Well, I'm not British, so I didn't mind actually asking and being blunt. Whereas <laughs> Simon's like, you can't do that. We'll figure something out. It's like, and I was like, just let's call him. And I called him and I was like, Hey, can, can you drive us down and put, let us dry this in the farmhouse? Um, so, uh, how, yeah. Can I ask, how did yeah. you get them out whilst they were still tacky without ruining them? I mean, they had sit overnight, so they were tacky. So obviously, there's still moisture in the emulsion, but mm. they weren't like um, gonna get. So they ruined. didn't stick together the minute no. that you. Ah, uh, okay, that's no, cool. yeah. exactly. But they were still like tacky. Um, 
And so what what happened was um, the good one. So we did two test prints and then a final print. And then uh, the final print was actually mounted to the easel. Mm. So protected. And, you know, we, we were really careful with that. And then we sort of lightly rolled the test print. Right. And... Um, and just sort of held it lightly in the in the truck and hoped it didn't stick to itself. Yeah. I see. Ah, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, so um you have you have got a feature length documentary from this yes. crazy journey that you've been on, this adventure. Um yeah. and uh, and and so so what's the details? Where can people see it? When can they see it? How's it gonna what's happening next? So you can go to inchindown.com, I-N-C-H-I-N-D-O-W-N.com. Uh, to watch the trailer and get updates and also where you have some screenings lined up which is really exciting yeah so yeah the first screening is in Inverness not far from where it was shot on November 6th and that's free um, but you have to still uh, sign up then the next day on the Isle of Skye we're having a screening with a dinner at a hotel, at a very nice fancy hotel on very Sky. Nice. Yeah, yeah, we're we're nothing if not fancy. Fancy. And then and then December seventh, um, if you know the kiln, which is the new co working space that Hamish Gill just uh, opened of thirty five MMC. So, so he, we're doing a showing at the kiln December seventh in the Midlands, um, in Worcester. Um, <laughs> where, so, is it where, sorry? Yeah, Worcester. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. We're having a showing there. And we're going to do a photo walk before, I guess. So that's... That's very awesome. cool. And I think there's quite a few people who we know already are hoping to sort of be there for yeah. that. Uh, obviously, Hamish is, is unlikely to be able to keep him away from his own co-working space. <laughs> Can't <laughs> no, keep we'll, him away exactly. from his own We'll try. We, we will try. But, um, you, you're so, going to have special Hamish tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you get so, to cut a ribbon or anything? Or maybe you should, if you haven't already should. done that. Mm. Yeah, we should <gasps> cut a ribbon. A, a ribbon of film. Yeah, we should. We should just. I, a ribbon I of backing I, paper. Sorry, I'm getting really excited now. <laughs> no, it's good. I think I have some um, like ruined uh, bulk roll HP five somewhere here that's been exposed already that I could take and cut. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah, that sounds good. So, are details of all of these things up on the website? Yeah, engineandown.com. That's fantastic. And if you're a f- film distributor and you just happen to listen to Sunday Sixteen, because why wouldn't you? Um, you know, the the documentary is available for available for distribution and it'll make you do- tens and tens of dollars <laughs> <laughs> or or it might cost you tens and tens of dollars but either way tens and either tens way. of dollars will either be way you're going to be supporting a fabulous project right yes so. exactly tanky um, mick one shot uh, and also i'm i'm I mean, I'm I'm speaking on your behalf now because um, that's what I do. But I, I'm going to guess that if there's anybody listening out there in other countries, maybe the US or in Europe or anywhere, who's thinking, well, maybe I could host uh, a showing of um, this. Could, would that be something maybe people could get in touch with you about? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we actually just got in touch with the Royal Photographic Society about possibly doing a screening with them. And... Uh, yeah, we're open to whatever. But uh, yeah, we need to get out to people elsewhere in the world as well so everyone can enjoy it. And also, the further exactly. away from the UK you get, the less chance there is that Simon will turn up. So that's always a treat. Sorry, Simon. 
um that's awesome i i'm so pleased to see that you've gone through this long and arduous journey not just of actually taking the shot but of making the the documentary itself um i haven't watched all of it yet i've only watched the trailer i am saving myself with that um but it looks fantastic and i'm really excited to sit down and watch the whole thing i think it's uh yeah we're super pleased for you that you've uh that you've managed to create this thing it's just bro well done yeah thank you Gary. that's awesome you. Every, everyone should get to see it and that, and as you mentioned as yet you don't have a um distribution channel sorted out so one yeah. if people have any ideas or have any contacts get in touch but two if you want to make sure you can definitely see it try and get to one of these events because otherwise you know it might be a bit difficult so because after these events, I think you're burning the original, aren't you? You're sending it to me, and then I'm deleting it. <laughs> exactly, I'm, and then you're going to delete it. <laughs> it's a service that I provide now. Um, <laughs> wonderful stuff. Well, shall we... Um, actually, before we get on to um, the emails, I just want to say a quick thank you. I mentioned earlier about the fact that Mike Caputo had sent me um, his the beautiful postcard. His prints are just so good. They're so nice. Um, as are yours, David. I want to say yours is also on the wall here. Lovely dragon. Um... Uh, I also want to say thank you to um, Stuart, who is um, on Instagram at analog underscore Sheffield. He has sent me. So um, hmm. I think, do you remember, Rach, she was talking about I some do. old films that he got recently. Um, yeah, so there were some beautiful canisters, I think, right? And, exactly. and I'm pretty sure one of them looked exactly like one that I'd had, a really old one. Uh, an old version of an Ilford uh, film. I think it was the FP4, but before it was... If that's right, something like that. Yeah. Um, I thought it looked very familiar, um, and uh, and sent over a little picture. So, um, is there an update on that? Well, uh, yes, there is. Um, so, Stuart, I'm not shooting this kind of thing. Not my bag, baby. But I really like the canisters. So he has sent me the film. I'm going to Ooh. shoot the film because I, mm-hmm. I'll, you know me, I'll give anything a go, and then yep. send him back the lovely canisters to use because I'm Yay. I'm definitely very excited to give, have a go with the film and see what comes out of that. So, thank you very much, Stuart, for that, and, and I will get on with that sooner rather than later which is uh, Graham speak for probably this decade as opposed to the next one uh, <laughs> so that's good um, and I'm sure there are other people I need to say thanks to this week but that's the only one that popped into my head in time so you know um, so let's move on to coffee stuff um, first off we've got a few new donors that I want to say thanks to um, and the first one is Jeff Greentine now see Jeff might be somebody you should get in touch with because uh, Jeff, Jeff's kind of a um, he's a a uh, big-time Hollywood guy. Uh, I don't know, he's a writer-director of many f- well-known, notable programs in the States. Um, so, yeah, maybe he can give some good advice on how to uh, get your film out there, Dave. All right. Um, all right. So Jeff has written in. Hit, hit the contact me on, on inchandown.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well as being a fantastic writer director of many, many well known shows. And it's all on um, Jeff's thing. He's, he's at, on Instagram at blue439. Uh, no, um, I think he's on Twitter at blue439. I think on Instagram it's the same, but the letters are. Oh boy, come on, brain, speed up. You're really not doing this a great. It's job. it's blue <laughs> four three nine, but the numbers are all written out in full. Um, and his, oh, I see. Well worth going to see. Um, oh, got some great pictures on there of his work, but also it's just interesting getting an insight into the life of somebody doing what Jeff does. Um, and also I very much like the comment that Jeff left with his uh, donation. <laughs> he says, "Like a fine wine, your show improves with age, is increasingly ah. addictive." And eventually becomes completely, oh sorry, totally undrinkable. Thank you very much. 
I could not agree more with that. Have we been corked? Oh, dear. <laughs> I think we've been <laughs> utterly corked. Um, uh. Once say thank you very much to Keith Durkin. Uh, Keith is at Keith Durkin on Instagram. And we've spoken about Keith before because T- Keith has taken part in uh, a couple, at least, of our um, Cheap Shots challenges and has always turned up with fantastic pictures. So thank you very much for donating. Keith's feed is well mm, worth checking Keith. out. I've got some lovely yeah. work on there. Um, there is an anonymous donor who was asked to remain anonymous. So I'll say thank you very much, Tim. And also uh, the same anonymous person sent in a lovely email, which I will share with Rachel later. But it was very nice, very kind words. Ah. Um, so thank you very much. And finally, whilst we're saying a thank, we had um, a donation from us who calling themselves the Haiku Master. <laughs> haiku Master. Brilliant. Now, um, now, obviously, we don't know uh, who this Haiku Master is, um, but I'm going to read out their haiku. And let's see if the format perhaps indicates which haiku master this is from. Okay. Rachel Graham aid podcast sensations, inviting other guests to spread their word, wield some sharp scissors and edit heavily. Um, (laughs) There's a certain familiarity to that haiku form in that it's a completely nosed up haiku form. Um, but uh, thank you very much Haiku Master we very much appreciate your kind donation arguably more <laughs> than your cack-handed haiku I don't know I, I quite like being called a podcast sensation I mean that's pretty nice isn't it that's true although it does make sense to that we need to edit heavily <laughs> but, yes well like I said last week I edited so heavily <laughs> I, the whole <laughs> show was true. edited in the venue <laughs> Uh, and that Happy does, of medium. course, lead us on to thanking our recurring donors. People have donated before. Um, <laughs> that was a deep breath. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear me getting ready? Sorry. Yeah. So um, so this is, as as I've been able to do before, because we've got the wonderful David here with us, this is going to be a, a, a dual... <laughs> Dual fact off. I wouldn't spend more time on these. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. (laughs) That's not the point in these. Um, So, Rach, brace yourself for a double whammy of coffee goodness. I'm going in. Okay. Okay. Bill Thu. Bill Thu prefers to buy books printed on cheese, so he has something to nibble on if reading a particularly long work. He also has a desk lamp made of chutney. Krista Brandt. Krista can recite the entire Magna Carta, but only in Swahili while drunk. <laughs> Harry Thackeray. Harry Thackeray has sewn 300 bar sponges into a sponge suit <laughs> and is intending on trying it out as an alternative to parachutes for people exiting planes mid-flight. Okay. Uh, Neil Piper. Neil is notably the first photographer to successfully get a crystal clear image from a pinhole with a three meter diameter. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. You want to see how big Neil's box is? Boom! Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> Chris Mina. Uh, Chris Mina tried to invent a combination unicycle pogo stick, uh, but gave up after an unfortunate inf- incident involving a flight of stairs um, and some doctors performing a surgical removal of his unigo. <laughs> don't know ask where it ended up. <laughs> uh, Andy D. Andy D was a founding member of the rap group The Take Up Spools. <laughs> he left the group on a falling out over the song title Pop You with My 120 Millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> Slavic Carvas. Uh, Slavic Carvas does not believe that the world is flat, but he does think it would be really convenient if it was, as it would offer a lot of really useful hanging space around the edges. Christian Strauff. 
Christian was born with three extra left ventricles, allowing him the ability to oxygenate his index finger much more quickly than the average human, allowing, in turn, the fastest shutter release on the planet. Wow. That's a great fact. Right. Fraser Yule. Um, Fraser Yule collects the ear and nose <laughs> of all the over-70s in his local area and uh, uses it to stuff collects his daughter's what? pillow in order to build character. Collects the what? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, Fraser collects what? Good on you. Uh, no, no, leave it at. I missed that. Uh, sorry, okay. uh, he. Um, I'll, I'll read it again. Sorry, uh, he collects the ear and nasal hair of all the over seventies oh. in the local area and uses it to stuff his daughter's pillow uh, in oh, order okay. to build character. Okay, lovely. Um, Malcolm Myers. <laughs> uh, it's Chris. Wait, oh, Malcolm. My- oh, it's out of order. Okay, Malcolm. Sorry, I messed eight- up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gosh. Malcolm who's elves are misbehaving today? Dear me, dear me. Okay, Malcolm Myers, go on. Malcolm once ate 78 hot dogs in 10 minutes, breaking <laughs> the world record. Unfortunately, the Franks weren't all beef, disqualifying his effort. Thanks. Um, Richard Hall. Uh, Richard Hall thinks mosquitoes should be unionised, as he believes that if they were, they'd be less angry about life in general and less <laughs> likely to bite people. Christoph. Christoph invented wrapping large buildings in fabric. His idea, sadly, was stolen by a man of a similar name. Now he only wraps buildings for friends and family on special occasions. <laughs> oh, like nip bombing. Yeah, but much bigger. But a big, on a bigger scale. Yeah, yeah much bigger. Like awesome. he wraps like huge buildings. Yeah. That's so cool. They, they do the trees in Liverpool occasionally. Um, Ed Worthington. Ed Worthington is working to create the first ever dog chorus line uh, and is hoping to perform in front of the Queen's Corgis at the Royal uh, Royal Perform- uh, Royal Albert Hall. Uh, uh, they're going to do their version of Cats um, called Dogs. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> finally, Jeremy North. Oh, okay, Jeremy. Hang on. Uh, Jeremy North had a brief musical career in the mid-80s, performing covers of punk classics on the nose flute for performance in hospital lifts uh, or elevators for um, people in the uh, United States of America. I think that is all of our lovely coffee donators, donors, our lovely coffee donors this week. Well done. Well done, team. You did <laughs> Thank you so much to all of our brilliant donors. You are wonderful, and this is for the reward that you us. get. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want to carry on donating? Yeah. Right? Run, run while you still have your dignity. <laughs> oh, Nobody wants Guys. it. Nobody asked for it. You're still going to get it, despite the fact that everybody <laughs> thinks it should stop. No. <laughs> Graham says it's still happening, so apparently it's still happening. <laughs> it's, a ba- it's a bad idea. There's a Brexit concerned. joke in there, isn't there? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, God, we God. all know this isn't a good idea, but we're <laughs> going to carry on doing it anyway. <laughs> Is this another haiku? Oh, yeah. It's the theme. <laughs> oh, well, oh. I think that catches us, us up. Uh, I think we have managed to squeeze our two shows into one slightly long backing paper, but, you know... Yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it to get the wonderful David joining us and catching yes. us up on all the tanky McBoatface, tanky McOneShot Boatface. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and catch up with all the emails. I am, once again, sorry, listeners, that this is a, a week late, but it's not a dollar short, at least. It's probably a dollar over, if anything. Extra dollars, perhaps. Extra dollars, mm-hmm. exactly. Extra coffee. Dollar you got a yank here. That's all the dollars. Blimey. Yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> Sorry, blimey. <laughs> what else can you say, right? 
Dave, tell us again where people need to go to find out about the showings coming up for One Shot Inchendown. Inchendown.com. And you can find us on social media uh, at uh, Tanky McOneShot. <laughs> it's good to see that you didn't want to let that quality name go too far. No, no, tank. we had to, we had to, yeah, Tanky. Tank, it's always, will be Tanky McOneShot in our hearts, I believe. So Yeah, I completely agree. And I have to ask, uh, have you and Simon started thinking about the next project yet? Yeah, yeah, we've we've talked about a couple. Um, we sort of need to recoup some some dollar dollar bills. You know, we need to chase that paper. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we we've talked about a couple things. I'm actually possibly buying a ridiculously large uh, like house. This sounds good already. Thing in Southwest France that only one of three floors is finished, mm-hmm. and he may be uh, coming out to help me restore the other two floors. Um, and so I was, we were thinking that might make an interesting, because we're going to, I'm going to build a huge photo lab in it. And so we were thinking that might be, might be an interesting next, next project. Uh, doc. Yeah. That we'll sounds see. very cool. Very cool. Well, we will watch this space with interest. Um, Rach, anything else that uh, I need to remember? Um, no, I think we're okay for this week. Thank you. Sounds good. Well, we will be back on Thursday with something. Ask no further questions. Uh, (laughs) Until then, we will play you out, as always, listeners, with the music from the wonderful band Schnauzer, remortgaging the nest of hairs. Uh, You find their stuff on Bandcamp, where you can also find some of Rachel's music. So go to Bandcamp and spend all of your money there on this fantastic stuff. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, uh, and until then... Have a lovely week. Yep, have a lovely week, everyone. Yeah, have a great one. <laughs> have a, yeah, a great one. Do it. A great have a one. Great have, one. A, have, excellent. A, have, a, have an excellent thing. Have an excellent time. And, time. And party on, dudes. Party on, dudes. This is Theo Galakopoulos from Australia, um, which is actually in New Zealand at the moment. So I'm actually from a few people, and I'm from photothinking.com. I've um, just rushed back to Auckland from having a beautiful day out in Davenport, and, uh, and realised the sunshine is absolutely gorgeous here today. So I've rushed back to my hotel room, swapped cameras over from my F3 to my Fuji GS645S, which is the wide version of the 6x45 camera. Um, quickly grabbed a bottle of Ultra 400 and headed out to take as many pictures as I can with a roll before the sun goes down completely. Interesting enough, I was thinking about that. Oh, that sounds like the way I challenge. So I thought, well, while I'm doing that, I'm trying to film it. Those entries are still taken in, or the, the recording is still taking in, but I thought I'd give it a go and see, see if that's you know, of interest of anybody. So I'll talk, talk again in a sec. Okay, it's about five minutes later now, and I've walked back into the, the Viaduct Harbour. Luckily, my hotel's right on top of the Viaduct Harbour. And um, notice the boats are all sort of reflected in the water. Um, and once more, in the background, Auckland Tower. 
uh, which the, the Kiwis keep reminding me is bigger than Australia's tower. But um, depends how you use it, I suppose. But on that note, um, it's reflective in the water as well with the boats. So we've, uh, you know, I've been snapping away. I've managed to get a few great pictures as the sun's coming down. Um, I'm shooting at the moment at uh, f11 at 250th of a second, so still got a fair bit of sunshine. Uh, I've rated portrait at 250 as I usually do, and uh, yeah, I'll move on. Okay, I've moved a bit further on here, and it's um, I'm near the you know, past the bridge. Um, looking back at the city, it's actually bathed in beautiful sunlight. I've managed to take a few shots. Interesting thing with the GS645S is that it is natively in a portrait format. So uh, I've, I've had to sort of adapt a little bit and remembering that my hat might get in the way if, I, <laughs> if I'm not careful. Um, and, uh, and take a few landscape style shots as well. You know, it's absolutely, you know, the, the harbour here is fantastic. This bridge is actually quite an interesting one. It actually opens up and lets boats through every so often, um, which is really cool to capture sometimes. Um, next stop will be back towards the silos. Um, there's a bunch of silos that are here in the, they've covered in nice colourful silk like painting. It's actually painted, but it's, they're calling it silk colour, but it's actually gorgeous on how they've taken old silos in industrial area and painted them and make it really nice to look at. Okay, I've now moved on a little bit from, from the silos and there, there's actually um, an area just further on which is so, feels like a bit of a different harbour. You can see the, the big bridge that goes across Auckland um, from here. And if you look across, there's, there's a, a bunch of um, containers that have been sort of put in various places and painted bright colours. Uh, so I've actually um, gone and taken a few pictures of one particular container which is bright red got number one in white on it and it's sitting in front of a totally white brick wall so um that you know you can't get much more contrast in terms of colors but uh it's actually good yeah the light's just beaming on the perfect angle um and i'm about to walk around to the, to the pier on the other side um because i think if i can sort of look back um i can take a picture of one of I think again it's a water silo um, and I can uh, it, this one hasn't been painted but you know in this kind of light everything looks fantastic and with the portrait mode that um, this camera shoots in uh, it will be the perfect thing to, to try and capture okay I've got that picture of the uh, silo um, and from from the pier uh, which is uh, really really happy with the, the pictures I'm still getting Fair bit of speed out of the, the camera. I'm down to like 125th of a second at uh, f8 at the moment, so I'm still doing quite well. Um, I'm now walking back towards the, the city area, the viaduct area, uh, and see if there's maybe something um, that can be taken over there. I'm down to probably the last three shots. My camera says 13, so I'm assuming I've got um, four more shots there. Okay, it's gotten a little bit later now. Um, shutter speeds are starting to get a bit slower. I've actually just come across where there's a uh, seaplane parked in the harbour. So I took a few shots of that. I've got a couple of shots left. I think we're going to have to pull out the tripod soon, which will be in total contradiction to the music I'm listening at the moment, uh, which happens to be Th George Thorogood. And if you don't know who Judge George Thorogood is, well, um, shame on you. So uh, I'll take these couple of shots um, and see maybe you know, how we can push Portra to long exposures and what kind of 
I might have to dial in for that one. Okay, I've still got one more shot to take. Interesting enough, I just had a nice conversation with uh, um, someone that's come up and saw the camera and saw what kind of camera is that and you know, a few details like that. Got, got them to look through the viewfinder, which is always a nice thing. Uh, I, lo I love it when people get more interested, so I'm giving them a card to the website and hopefully uh, you know, it might inspire another film shooter. Um, in the meantime, I'm, I'm sort of waiting for the sun to get into the final good position and maybe some of the lights to start coming on the city before I take my, my last shot. Um, you know, as I set up the tripod and, uh, you know, and then let's see how we go. Well, just in case anyone's wondering, I've moved on to this to Queen now, so, you know, and I'm sure everybody knows who Queen is. Okay, it's just past six o'clock now. The sun's pretty much down, but some of the lights are up. I managed to get my last shot. Um, I was bringing in something like a 30 seconds, taking the reciprocity into uh, account, uh, reciprocity, I should call it, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, finished off for the night. Uh, this, this has actually been quite interesting because I was all finished for the day when I was coming back from Davenport and then, you know, just saw the light, had an hour, decided I'll do what I need to do, grabbed the other camera and, um, and, and went straight out into an area which I photographed heaps of time because I went in Auckland quite a bit uh, the last few months. Um, but, you know, give myself a challenge um, and finished a roll of 16 shots. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we've got some keepers in there. Uh, yeah. If you need to know a little bit more about the GS645, uh, it is actually on photothinking.com. Um, I've written a review there with some examples. Um, it is a wonderful camera, and uh, you know the, the only the only complaints I would have on it is the, especially when it starts getting a little bit darker, the the focusing patch, which is the round one in the middle, gets a little bit hard to see. Um, and uh, but it does sort of counter it a little bit by having a blue tinge to the viewfinder so when you look through it you do actually think that oh no the colour's all gone but then you pull your eye away and it's, yes it's all nice and golden so uh, so it is um, quite an interesting camera to use I hope you've enjoyed this um, this is Theo from photothinking.com and uh, I'll talk to you soon Bye.